Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and I'm so excited to start this podcast, and um, I'm, I'm just excited. I just want to get right into it and go. So um, joining us on the phone is my friend Chris Ward. He's the Sports and Program Director at uh, KKWK 100.1 in Cameron, Missouri. Hey, Chris, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on with me, man. Hey, Matt. My pleasure. Uh, honored to be the first guest, and uh, I think it's a, a great idea you got here with the uh, Bearcat football-dedicated podcast. And uh, again, I'm honored to be uh, number one up on the uh, the guest list. That's awesome. No, man, I, I do appreciate it. We've been friends a long time and Bearcat fans a long time, and it was kind of a – it's kind of a bummer last season. You know, we've talked about that. No, no Bearcat football last fall. And there's kind of a, there's kind of a hole (laughs) that, that I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready for the season. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's everything. uh, Even just talking to people that don't know Bearcat football, it's the whole thing around it. I mean, it's the tailgating. It's it's the friends we've made over the last, uh, in my case, 30 years of watching Bearcat football or, you know, however long everybody's watched you know, there's those people that you see on Saturdays in Maryville or, you know, on a road trip to Warrensburg or wherever it is we're, you know, we're, we're bleeding green at. Uh, it's, it's the football itself, obviously, and the traditions and the players over the years and those guys that come back and coach. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a family. It really is a family. I know that's kind of cliche with the, with the program, but, it, it, but it's true. It really is a family from the coaches and players all the way into the stands with the fans. And I mean, some of my best friends I've made through Bearcat football. So it's, it's a, it really was a big hole last fall. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you said family. I mean, that's the thing I think of, and that's, I think what makes Northwest and Maryville so unique is you know, the family aspect of it. It's, it's, uh, and some universities, right. Or, or places where everybody was in a fraternity and your fraternity brothers or, or sorority sisters went to, went to different colleges, different universities at Northwest. It's like that. Everybody's in that, you know, fraternity kind of. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it is. It is it's a unique place. Uh, even amongst its peers in the MIAA, it's unique. There's very few uh, like it out there. I mean, like it's something St. Joe doesn't have. It's something that a Joplin doesn't have. Maybe Pittsburgh has it a little bit. Uh, Warrensburg, not as much, but it, it's, it's something unique to us, to, to Maryville, to Northwest Missouri State. And, and I think they've really done a really good job of fostering that and uh, kind of making it feel like what you want college to feel like. And, uh, and I think that goes a long way into making that. And everybody feels involved. Everybody feels that love. So you, you want to come back and you want your kids to come back and, I don't know. It's just a pretty neat thing that they got going on. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll, t- we'll talk about history. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of talk about, so, so my, I really wasn't a Bearcat fan until I went to Northwest, surprisingly. Um, I, uh, I, I mean, I followed Northwest. I remember, you know, the national championships in 98 and 99, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't know. I'd really call myself a Bearcat fan didn't root against the Bearcats, but then when I went in the fall of 02, ever since then, you know, things changed from going to games and, you know, hanging out with friends and, the, you know, the old days of the Rick and Broad Rowdies and the student section and things like that. Talk, talk about your um, kind of when you became aware of Northwest and, and when you became a fan. Well, for me, I grew up in Lexington, so we're way closer to Warrensburg. So down there, it was, uh, if you followed any of that, it was central uh, but generally, you didn't follow D2 football for the most part down there. It was because it was close enough to Columbia that Mizzou kind of ruled the day. So you didn't even think about it. I kind of got into Northwest when kind of like you when I decided that's where I was going to school. I decided that broadcasting was going to be my uh, career of choice for whatever reason. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's where I was going. And so I started looking into the football program. Of course, growing up in Lexington, you're like, man, we got such a great football tradition. It'd be awesome. Uh, to get up there and have something great. And, of course, Northwest history was here and there, hit and miss, but, you know, back in the day. But then I got up there, and luckily enough, uh, the same time Mel Churchman showed up on campus. And I don't know which one of us was responsible for it, but something about that uh, fall of 94 is when things kind of turned around for Bearcat football, be it MRI that uh, changed that. But <laughs> So it was a, it was a pretty uh, interesting transition, especially with the, the winless season there that first year. Uh, the, the crowds were pretty sparse and the, the product wasn't necessarily great, but you kind of felt something was coming. And uh, sure enough, glad we stuck with it because it was, uh, it's been a lot of fun ever since then. Yeah. And, th- and that's kind of amazing, right. To k- kind of be in, you know, you were there when, you know, when the tradition was changing and we always joke as Bearcat fans that, you know, football started in, in 1994, but, um, <laughs> but you know, what, what was that like? I mean, were, did people really start getting excited you know, the, the runs in 96, 97. 
Uh, yeah, that's really what it was. 94, I mean, if you weren't really close to the program or in the media or something along those lines, which I was lucky enough, as Northwest media guys know, uh, you get to you get your hands dirty right away in the media classes. So you get a chance to cover the team and follow stuff. So you kind of felt it if you were covering them. I don't know that the average fan necessarily saw it in 94. And maybe uh, it was really kind of 95, you kind of – started to get that hint they went six and five and won a few big games that big win over uh, central missouri i think is the one that really people were like okay wait a minute here they won a few games in a row this team's turning it around and then obviously yeah 96 with the, the run to the playoffs and that uh, jesse haynes catch against nebraska omaha and uh, i was in the dorms that day watching it on tv couldn't make the trip up due to a work schedule and whatnot but we were watching it on tv there so we were lucky enough to have the omaha station at that time and so we got to see that in the dorms and you, i mean you would have thought an earthquake was happening that place was shaking it was so uh, so rowdy in there with everybody rooting for the cats and uh, from then on really you, you kind of had that feeling that the, the tide had turned that this thing was you know potentially going to be pretty good and then obviously 97 you get a decent run and northern colorado's in the way again and then finally obviously breaking through in 98 and man the madhouse that that place was in, in the semifinal uh, against kingsville I mean, it was just a uh, it, it was wild. It was a wild, wild experience. And obviously coming from that 0-11 season, you weren't sure even then that something like that was possible. But uh, it, it turned pretty quickly, you know, uh, for, for a program that really hadn't been a powerhouse ever in history. I mean, there's been a team here and there throughout history that was really good, but never like a national powerhouse. Uh, it, it turned pretty quickly. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, of course, then it, it kind of seemed like it had, the bubble had burst, so to speak, right about the time you came around in those early 2000s where, you know, we thought we were so good in 2000. A lot of people would say that was the best team ever for a long time. Uh, then ran into to that Dakota team with uh, Lamar Gordon and just got our butts handed to us, really. Uh, but there for a few years, we weren't a playoff team, if you remember right. I think we had one playoff run in like four years or so, and then came the run of five straight uh, championship games. And then obviously it's been uh, – all uh, all gravy since then, so to speak. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, you know, that's, um, that was exactly it. You know, I remember John McMenamin as a, as a, my freshman year. And, and, uh, you know, that's kind of one of the things too, I want to talk about is some, you know, favorite players and, and favorite memories, things like that. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, when the, the run started of those, um, of those championship games in 05, yeah, it was just, you know, magical run. And it kind of felt, <laughs> felt disappointing that we couldn't get over the hump. And then we did. And then coach Doral just kind of took it, took it to a, a new level almost. And it was, uh, yeah, just, just kind of amazing. I, I, uh, what are your, some of your favorite memories, some of your games, whether you were there, whether it was a moment you're watching it on TV, like the, like the UNO game. I mean, what are, what are some moments that stand out to you? Man, that, that, that's a, we can do a whole show about just that right there. There's a, there's right? so many when you start going back that far. I mean, I think uh, one of them's got, I mean, for me was uh, one of my first broadcasts way back in 1994 was, uh, I think it was Minnesota State Mankato uh, and, uh, you know, just right out of the gates, bam, have fun. Um, that was a good time. Uh, I think that was the year of Missouri Western too. Uh, that's stretching the memory a little bit. Uh, one of my first broadcasts was uh, there. Um, but just getting to work on that first season a little bit with the radio station and things and uh, just the, the atmosphere of college football. Uh, um, but then uh, the, the, the semifinal in 98 is probably one of my favorite memories of all time, just in general. Uh, just going from what we had in 94, going, man, 0-11 and, and winless and all everything that went along with just kind of struggling in a tough conference to the jubilation four years later of we're going to play for a national title and the, the scene on that day. I mean, I always, I, I still see it in my mind so clearly of all the students, we didn't know what to do. We, you know, you hop the fence. We, nobody had ever torn down the goalposts before. We didn't know what to do. So we were, it took forever to get them down. It seems like it's such an art form now at Northwest. That it's like a <laughs> class they teach or, or something, but it, we didn't know at that time what to do. Uh, one of the sets of goalposts ends up in the pond and then, everybody's parading the other set down fourth street towards downtown and the entire student section carrying these people surfing on them, riding them up on top as they're being carried out on the shoulders, the whole crowd chanting beer, 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 and cops on the sidewalks, high-fiving those same kids that are chanting beer and carrying gold posts down the side. It was just the wildest scene that you never thought you would ever see. Uh, that's now kind of become expected almost in Bearcat land. Um, I think back to, uh, 
Tony Miles and his uh, punt return against Pitt State. I don't even remember what year that was, but they're uh, against uh, at Pitt State at home, and he took it from uh, from I guess what north to south just uh, and busted it off for a big comeback uh, after Pitt had come back and taken the lead. And Tony hits that one. Obviously, that was huge uh, in my memory banks. Um, I personally, one of my favorite memories is 2003 with the uh, the blocked field goal against Pitt State at Arrowhead. Uh, that was my senior year, and uh, that was I got to call that game. Uh, obviously, I took some time off there from school, but I got to call that game at 03 at Arrowhead with the blocked field goal that beat Pitt State and created the five-way uh, MIAA championship split. So that's one of my favorite memories. Uh, Xavier Oman's 98-yard run. I mean, the list just goes on. The big hit against Grand Valley at 09. Uh, I mean, just so many memories that the. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't even know. It's it's hard to put a, a favorite in there, but those are just some of the ones that uh, kind of jump out at me. You mentioned the block field goal, and I had a feeling that you might. That's my favorite call of yours from your time at Northwest. I remember that, and it just it brought me goosebumps. I was in the stands at Arrowhead, and it was just. I mean, it was just awesome that was that's one of my favorite moments at arrowhead there was one a few years later where where oman in overtime on fourth and goal at the one dove over the top to give us the win i don't remember if that was oh six or or oh seven maybe yeah the 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 98 yard run against grand valley and the basically the ice bowl i i I was in the end zone i didn't make it on espn but he ran right we were in the end zone he we were kind of in that group he was celebrated with when he scored that game a couple of my favorites a little more recently there the the mo west playoff game in 2010 that's actually the only game I able to finagle a press pass for and be on the sidelines. We were down 17 to nothing at halftime. We'd beaten Western earlier in the year, I think 42 to nothing. And they were just beating the snot out of us. And, and uh, Josh Baker had a fake punt that he hurdled a guy, ran for a touchdown and that kind of spurred the comeback. And we came back and won and I got to be on the sidelines. That is one of my absolute favorite moments. And then, the pinnacle for me, I didn't ever get to witness a national title in person until 2015 at Sporting Park. And that was, um, I'll be honest, I teared up when the final whistle blew, even though the game was in hand and everything, because that was one of the coolest things that I'd always wanted to experience that and finally got to experience it. And that was, uh, and you're right, there's a, there's a million of them, but those are just a couple, kind of a couple that, that stand out to me. Oh, I'm with you there. Uh, that 2015, getting to see the championship in person uh, was great. I, I was unable to go in 98 and 99 back then. I was uh, Technically, I was supposed to be an Army Reserve drill, and I last minute decided not to go to that so that I could be in town to watch the game. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, Uncle Sam. I kind of skipped out on those. Um, but, uh, yeah, that 2015, seeing those live, that was great because I did make the trip down to Alabama for the four straight losses, and then uh, the fifth year when we beat Grand Valley in 09, we opted not to go. Uh, my best friend, Matt Albright, you know him very well as well, uh, opted that we thought maybe we had a little curse going on there. So we opted not to go to that one. And, of course, they won. So we're like, okay, it was obviously us. So we're not going back to Alabama. And then, thankfully, they changed it to Sporting Park. We figure it's the 12-hour barrier is kind of our, our rules. If it's a championship game, we don't road trip over 12 hours to see it. So <laughs> that's kind of our uh, – our rule. Um, I do want to backtrack something you said there uh, that call being your favorite. A uh, uh, little side note, Josh Lamberson got to hear that call, and uh, he was in a, a guest of ours on the sport Weekend Sports kickoff right after that game. And uh, he also was like, oh, goosebumps, goosebumps. And to me, that was like the coolest of compliments that anybody could get of, of the, the, you know, the quarterback, the star of the game, blah, 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 going, oh, goosebumps. That was awesome. I loved it. And, uh, that uh, Kind of the same as you. That was his favorite call. So that, uh, that uh, you're a good company. Well, th- and that's a good that's a good transition. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, is is favorite Bearcat players over the years. He's up there with mine. He was the first interview I ever did um, on uh, on campus. It was for I think broadcast operations or something uh, as a as a talk show, and I got to interview him when he was. Um, I think just a sophomore when he was going to be the starter, but I remember his redshirt freshman year when he returned kickoffs before he was even, uh, he was just such a great athlete. And he, he's, he's one of my favorite Bearcats of all time. Him, him Zavi, obviously Xavier Oman, um, just some of the things that, that he did at that level. And he just, he was just unbelievable. Probably, I, I don't know, he him, Jamaica Rector comes to mind, just some some electric players. And obviously with such good teams, there's all kinds of amazing players. I don't know. What are some some of the guys that are your favorites for whatever reason? 
obviously, uh, going back even pre-you, uh, the Chris Grisons and uh, the Tony Miles of the world, those guys that kind of built Bearcat football. And even before, you know, some of the guys before that, those are early, you know, 94, 95, 96 kids that built Bearcat football. Uh, you got to get a shout out to those guys. Uh, go to the defensive side. You mentioned all offensive guys. All those guys are great. But what about a Sean Paddock or a Colin Blevins? Uh, uh, there's so many great, those D linemen that we had there for a long time. Um Maybe an odd pick, but my favorite Bearcat of all time is Willie Horn. I loved that dude. I loved his energy. I loved the way he flew around and he fired people up. And uh, that is, for whatever reason, and uh, his parents were hilarious to sit next to at games. I sat next to him a couple different times. His mom was great. Shout out to Mama Horn. Uh, but, yeah, Willie Horn's my favorite Bearcat of all time. For whatever reason, I rank him number one. That is so hilarious to me because as I was sitting down trying to do, you know, trying to kind of prepare and make myself some notes. He's one that I thought of and I was going to mention his, his mom and his parents. I re- I remember her as much as oh, I remember she, him. I mean, he was great, but that's, that's a story that I always remember you telling. It's so hilarious that. Oh, she's a riot. We sat next to her at that, uh, that famous uh, central game with the rushed field goal and all that uh, down there in Warsburg. We were sitting next to, to, to the, the horns there. Uh, down there she is one of the just she's loud she's uh, on top of it she's going uh she goes a mile a minute she is uh, one of my favorite bearcat fans of all time that uh mama horn was a riot to sit next to one of my favorite football experiences a the game was great b uh willie's mom was hilarious and so much fun to sit next to and uh, yeah that was that was a good time down there <laughs> Yeah, that I don't know why I didn't think of that one. I think that was the same 2010 season as that as that Western game later. Yeah, the the Todd Adolph field goal and uh, yeah, that was that's one of those moments. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I can't believe I didn't mention that in the moments because that was such a uh, an iconic moment for that team and uh, that that experience still to this day. The call uh, between John and Matt uh, on the radio call there with that you know, whoever put, was put it over the video is just amazing and brings back all those feelings, gives you those goosebumps again because that was definitely one of the coolest moments in, a, in at least in my Bearcat experience. Yeah, abs- you know it absolutely was. Yeah, I think somebody's put that on YouTube or something with sure. the call and the video. And yeah, that's. Yeah, it, that's definitely a good moment. I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't have that one on my list. I'm glad you mentioned it. Well, there's so many of them. It's hard to keep them all straight as you get to go and you forget this one and remember that one. I mean, this, like I said, I mean, it's been just such a, we're, we're spoiled, man. As Bearcat fans, we are absolutely spoiled for the run that we have been on. Take it back to, to when Mel started, even just the, the record that he put up. I was looking at it kind of getting ready as you kind of sent me the outline of some of the things you wanted to talk about. I was kind of looking back through the record, but do you realize We've not only had Mel Churchman, who's the winningest Bearcat football coach in in, in program history. Uh, Adam Durrell's number three, and already Coach Wright is number six on the all-time list. So three of the top six since 1994. We're pretty spoiled in that regard. I mean, you look at all those years and numbers up on the side of that press box, a good chunk of that has happened in the last, what, 25 years, 27 years, whatever it is. No, yeah, you're right. That's that's a good point, and we, and we are, you know, think about the 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 students that are up there, and I know we've talked about this as kind of you know older school, I guess, Bearcat fans that we are. I mean, I was in school the last time that we that we missed out on the playoffs, and and uh, you know, yeah, you 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 look at the fans now, it's like they they don't even remember, you know, what it was like to not to not make the playoffs. I mean, that that's pretty amazing. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, and good. Hopefully, it stays that way. I know uh, I'm a big Rich Wright fan. Uh, I think that I think the world of that guy, um, and I think he's the, the right guy for it. And I think he's going to keep it going in the right direction. So hopefully, we continue to be spoiled fans because I, I kind of enjoy it. It's a it's kind of nice to be the, the Yankees of D two football or what you know whatever term you want to use. I, I guess I kind of you know, kind of didn't feel good saying that. <laughs> we are kind of that empire, um, and uh, it's kind of nice to be the hated. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we talked about memories, moments, players. One thing that that you mentioned earlier is is road trips, right? They're kind of a part, whether it's in the playoffs or otherwise, you know, a big part of Bearcat football. Um, some of the ones that kind of stick out to me in 2018, we went up to Allendale to Liberty Stadium, watched the, the Grand Valley game. My God bless my wife, Jessica. She is always a trooper and up for just about anything. And we drove all night. She slept in the car. I drove and we arrived about an hour before kickoff. That was, that was kind of crazy. Um, 
the only Florence national championship I got to go to was 07 when we lost to Valdosta, but that's still a memorable, a memorable road trip for me, even though the, the outcome was a little bit disappointing. Um, we went to Ferris in 2019, which is the last football game that Northwest has played. That game was very disappointing, but it was a cool road trip and the people, people were great. Something else I'll, I'll backtrack a bit and, and talk about our trip to Grand Valley State and, the, and their fans are known. You and, you and I know this, right? And anybody on, on uh, D2Football.com and on the message board and, and Grand Valley fans are just kind of known as classy fans throughout D2. I have never, I don't think I've ever felt so welcome at an away game as, as there. The people were just so nice and kind. And that, that pro, I don't know, that one probably goes to the top of the list for that reason. And it was a big win and a really exciting game. But, um, uh, what are some road trips that you've taken over the years that kind of stand out to you? Oh, man. Uh, even as, as I mentioned before, uh, my best friend and I made the four trips for the four losses in, in national title games, but I wouldn't trade any of those experiences for anything. There were such, uh, I think three of them were kind of like what you described, drive all night, sleep in the car for maybe an hour, uh, wait for the band to wake you up, get up, have a couple beers, head into the stadium and, and see what happens. Uh, turn around, leave <laughs> after it's all said and done. Um, obviously, uh, uh any of the conference games are a lot of fun. Uh, that war- Anytime you go to Warrensburg, that's a great trip because uh, Warrensburg is just such a, a fun football town, uh, and that stadium's really cool, especially with the uh, the remodel they did a few years back or uh, you know, whenever that was a couple years ago. Uh, that stadium really has grown, and uh, they really have fallen in love with uh, Coach Sabota and, and the mules down there. So that's always a fun trip. Anytime you can go to Pittsburgh State, I mean, if you've never made the trip to the jungle for a Bearcat game, you have to go to the game at the jungle um obviously the better pit state is uh, the better it is but that's a great environment for football one of the coolest stadiums in, in in the area in in the midwest i think and when they're humming down there man that stadium is rocking and the tailgate experience is great obviously you gotta get some fried chicken while you're down there um so that's a, that's a great road trip here in town or in the in the conference uh my best friend that i've mentioned a few times he and i um, actually, God, I don't even know what year it was. Uh, the year we started with Abilene Christian, I'd have to look back at uh, the record book to see what year that was, maybe 2009, 2010. I think it was nine. Back, somewhere back in there, yeah. Um, uh, we started with Abilene on the road um, and went down there, and uh, there was a big thunderstorm, and we ended up losing to those guys. Um, and that was – we just wanted to go see, you know, Texas football. So we stuck around, and the very next night took in an Abilene Cooper game, which is their high school, and uh, they kicked some other Texas teams' butt. Uh, and I guess the, the locals told us we should have gone to a small town, which we probably should have. Uh, but that, that was in the same stadium. So we stuck around and saw that game. And then we drove up to Canyon, Texas, the home of West Texas A&M. As luck would have it on that Saturday night, they were hosting Grand Valley State. So we drove all the way over there and took that game in. And then after that, road tripped home. So we kind of took in a little Texas uh, football uh, weekend there with some college games, a high school game. And as luck would have it, uh, I mentioned Rick Jurgensen to you off air, a Bearcat dude, as a lot of people know him as. Uh, that was kind of the time we met him. Uh, he and his, uh, I think it was his dad he was with, uh, kind of took the exact same road trip. Every All the tour stuff we did, there was Reed and his dad. And we were, so we ended up becoming really good friends with Reed. And still to this day, we hang out and go uh, tailgate together and go on road trips together for games sometimes. And so that, that trip really is probably my favorite one, uh, even though the Bearcats came out on the wrong end of that, though we got revenge in the playoffs. Um, that, that trip really was pretty cool. Got to see two non-conference teams and two really cool stadiums. And uh, the old West Texas A&M uh, stadium was one of the coolest I've ever been in. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably my favorite ever road trip. But uh, I don't think you can go wrong, really. Anytime you're going to a, a new place to cheer on the Bearcats, it's, uh, it's a pretty good time. Well, in the, the shortest road trip, obviously, being St. Joe or, or even closer to us than, than – uh, and, and that's something. Yeah, we don't like to give Missouri Western a lot of credit. And that's okay. But I don't anyway. I'll, I'll throw myself <laughs> under the bus. But, you know, the, the – work that they put into Spratt stadium and, oh. and, you know, I, I always joke that they had to put the away side in for us, but I mean, just all the work, it, it makes that such a better experience. And of course there's a million Bearcat fans there. Um, Warrensburg, you're right. That's always a good time. One of my more embarrassing things, you know, this, and I'll, I'll, I'll even admit it on here is that I have never been to a game at Pitt state. Now, to my credit, I think we've only played there three times because my freshman year was the first time, the fall classic back in the day yeah. uh, or clash of champions, I guess is what it was yeah. the, the first yeah. year. And then the fall classic when we played there. So 
other than um, that, an, another great memory, this just reminded me, I, good grief, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was when Joel Osborne was a senior, so it might have been 09. Was, we had a playoff comeback at home against Pitt State. And we had like a fourth and 20 that he threw to Nick Rhodes. And I, I remember that play, but I, I didn't look that one up. So I don't remember exactly. I don't remember what year it might've been. Uh, it might've been 08. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but, but that's uh, yeah, man, there's just so many good memories. It's so hard to, to narrow it down. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that was 08 you're talking about. Um, yeah. And, and the great thing about Pitt State is there's been some great playoff meetings. You don't expect to necessarily have a ton of playoff meetings with your conference mates, but man, there has been some great, great meetings with Pitt State. That is such a fun rivalry. Uh, I always refer to that as the, the respect rivalry game that we have. Obviously, Missouri, we kind of joke there, Missouri Western and Northwest don't like each other at all. That's the hatred rivalry. That's the one you hate. Uh, Pitt State's the respect rivalry. They're, they're the one that you see even now when maybe they're down a little bit. You still see them on schedule. You're like, man, that team's always so good that's such a tough road trip or such a tough game or big game uh, and obviously we had some huge games with them I remember uh, back in the the early days of the dynasty um, that was kind of a I think it was what 96 maybe when we thought we were big stuff or 97 uh, we thought we were big stuff and had knocked off all these opponents in the pit state kind of put us back in our place there real quick it was like hey nope we're, you're still the little brother right now and then uh, then the next year is when we finally got over the hump and beat them and and it made the run through the playoffs and all that type of stuff. So uh, I, I remember uh, some heartbreaks down there too. Uh, you know, Pitt State's obviously been really, really good. Um, yeah, we've been down there. Uh, Neil Philpot broke our heart numerous times down there in the jungle, and uh, Jermaine Race and those teams. And then John Brown, obviously, he torched us down there. And I don't remember if that was a playoff game or a late regular season game. Uh, but man, there was uh, just the way that those games have played out and then obviously all those games at Arrowhead uh, during the regular season and how great they've been. And uh, you know, the fans and, and uh, the debates we'll call it back and forth and, uh, and all the fun things that have transpired amongst us. I mean, even today, uh, I mean, got a week ago, maybe I think it was, we were in uh, Liberty at home Depot or wherever it was. And somebody walked by in a Pitt state hat. And I just said, go Bearcats. We stopped and talked for 10 minutes <laughs> because that's just kind of the rivalry we have. And I think, I think that's one of the great things about Bearcat football. And probably one of the great things really about D2 football and MIAA football is that we have that kind of connection. And we can build those kind of rivalries and man, Pitt state's really been a, Probably one of the best ones. I mean, like I said, the Mo West one's a hate rivalry. You got to beat those guys. But the Pitt State one's so much of a respect rivalry. They're such a good program, so much history that that one's kind of special to me too. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think kind of a, along with the respect and the hate, I mean, Missouri Western, it doesn't matter if they're good, right? We just got to right. beat them. We just got to stomp them. Whatever. But with Pitt State, like I always want them to be good, right? I'd, I love it when they're undefeated and we're undefeated, even a, a few years ago, you know, when we played and, and they kind of felt fell down in the second half of the season, but you know, it was, it was a big matchup and that's when it's fun. Like you want us both to be good and slug it out. And I, that's, I, I really yeah, always enjoy those games. What does they always say? Like it's college football is always better when Notre Dame's good. I kind of feel like the MIAA is better when Pitt State's good. Uh, just for the whole conference feels better when they're good. One of the things too that I wanted to talk about you you mentioned you touched on that 2000 team earlier. As I, I was kind of thinking about man, some of the best Bearcat teams. Now I can't really weigh in. I've heard a lot about that 2000 team. I I didn't watch them play. Obviously, I'm I'm anything from 02 on. Uh, you know, so. I, definitely put them in the conversation. I think, I mean, obviously 15 and 16 was, was a pretty great run for us. And that defense um, 16 might've been a more dominant team. As I was kind of looking through the schedule and, and, and looking through the results of those two seasons, the, the, uh, the 2016 team blew teams away more, but um, I think with Kyle Zimmerman, for the national championship game. And he had such an amazing season in, in, in the, in the semifinal when he got hurt and uh, against, I think it was Ferris then, um, mm -hmm. you know, that was, that was kind of disappointing. I don't know. That almost takes away a little bit from that. I, I always think of 2015 and I love that team with Brady Bowles as a senior and the defense. I mean, I think the defense was probably better in, in, uh, in 2016, but, but they just, there was just something about that 2015 team, just the grit and uh, everything. I remember that West Georgia sem uh, semifinal in Maryville. And then when we beat up Shepard in the, in the championship and th that one, I don't know, you know, I always think of that title game and that season, 
Um, you know, th there's lots of special ones. The, the 2009 team, oh my goodness, you know, we finally made it over the hump and after we'd lost four in a row and, and won that title. Um, but, but they weren't, I don't know, you know, it seems like later on, especially with, with Coach Doral, we almost got more dominant. Um, and uh, what are some teams that, that always, you know, that kind of stick out to you? I'm with you though. The 2015, there's something about that 2015 team. Um, I think if you look at the stats objectively, you probably have to say 2016 was better. Uh, if they played, I don't think a point gets scored probably in that game because those two defenses were just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, a lot of the same guys, uh, obviously on those teams. Uh, but yeah, I think there's something about that 2015 that I give the edge to in my mind that I, I just, that's probably my favorite Bearcat team of all time. Uh, as far as like how I would rate them number one, number two, et cetera. Uh, one of my favorite teams to watch though, you probably junior year, I think maybe uh, that 05 team that started that run of four straight uh, or five straight national title games uh, that was a five seed or whatever it was, a seven seed, six seed, whatever the last seed was at that time. Uh, that wasn't supposed to go the road dogs. They weren't supposed to even make the playoffs and suddenly just started upsetting people all the way. And then they made that run to uh, North Alabama in the semifinals and uh, just such a crazy game and the, and the near fight at the end and how just insane that was to go to Florence and beat them. And then to come back the very next week and have to play Grand Valley and how good they were, man. I'm thinking back to those early 2000s that Grand Valley was just a juggernaut. I mean, those guys thought they were going pro uh, as far as, you know, even on the message words, you just got oh, to listen to those guys again. Uh, but I mean, that 05 team was so much fun because they weren't supposed to be there. That's one of my favorite teams uh, just simply for that reason. Um, and then obviously those uh, 98, 99 teams uh, that, you know, the first ones to do it, you know, uh, so it was new, it was, it was special, uh, it was fresh, et cetera. Uh, but I, I, I'm with you though. I think 2015, for whatever reason, that is still my number one favorite team with the, uh, as far as like ranking of the best, but the 05 team is probably looking back my favorite one to watch. Yeah, that's true. And th there was just something about that. What I think that was Lambeau's senior year. And I think even Xavier might've been, a, he was either a sophomore or a freshman. And so he, he had just, um, you know, kind of come onto the scene and it's, it's, uh, yeah, there was just something about them. Like you just, even in that championship game, you just thought we were going to pull it out. They were just gritty, and you just thought with the leadership that they were gonna, that they were gonna do it, that they were gonna win, that they they could overcome anything. And when the chips were down, they were gonna make the play. Well, and if and you remember right, we were within an inch, basically, of it. I believe it was a Raphael Robinson in the back of the end zone with 30 seconds left. Had that ball bounce off his chest plate. And then by the time he gathered it in, he was already out of the back of the end zone and then still had one more crack at it. And Lambeau, you know, scrambles all around and can't uh, can't find anybody to, to get it done. But, uh, but yeah, it just felt like that was a team of destiny, like somehow, some way we were going to get this done. And then, of course, the very next year to come back and play those guys again. And and again, hats off to Grand Valley. How you mentioned them earlier, how great their fans are. We've made friends with a lot of these guys because we played them so many times in big games. Now that we've kind of gotten to know some other fans, um, and, and that was a great experience down there. And uh, that quarterback they had, whose name uh, for whatever reasons escaped escaping me right off the top of my head, uh, that guy was a, a, a Faraday uh, dude. Was a warrior, and uh, rest in peace to him. Um, that he's one of my favorite football players to ever have watched. Just his heart and grit uh, in those two championship games. And, uh, yeah, uh, those were fun, those were fun times. Even even in losses, again, they were they were so much fun. Yeah, Cullen Finnerty, I think. Oh man, yep, that guy. That's right. that's seeing, see him and I'm sure defense was seeing him in their nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> as well they should. That kid was a stud. Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, he absolutely was. One, you know, it just kind of reminded me. I want to tell this story, and I'll, I'm sure I'll get an opportunity on here to tell the story at some point. When when I I meant to mention it with favorite players. And I just remembered, you know, talking about that 05 um, was Xavier Oman. So, so my freshman year at Northwest was also Xavier Oman's freshman year. And he was, a uh, uh, he, it was his red shirt year. We had speech together of all things. And he was in our class. We had to give, I believe it was an interview speech to start with. And uh, Jesse Haynes, who is all, you know, all of his records is what, what Xavier broke. Um, I think maybe was, I don't remember if he was, uh, running backs coach at the time, or if he was just involved in the program. Anyway, that's who um, Xavier Oman interviewed for, for his interview speech. And he gets up in front of class, gives his speech. And at the very end, he says something along the lines of, Oh yeah. You know, and I told him I'm going to break all of his records someday. 
at Northwest. I had no idea who Xavier Oman was. I knew he was on the football team and I knew he was a red shirt. And, you know, we're all just kind of looking around each other like this guy, who's, you know, who's this guy think he is. And, uh, and that, I mean, that plays into and ties into why he's one of my favorite players. I mean, just his athletic ability and everything, but just, just that confidence. He was so special and, uh, and he was so much fun. And I love that. That's one of my favorite stories ever. <laughs> and I, I love to tell it. I'm sure you've heard it a million times from me, but that, uh, that's just one that sticks out. And I, I love that story and just kind of how it, how it all came out, you know? And that's a very Xavier thing right there. And yeah, I've heard that story at least 20 times, I'm sure. <laughs> but it, it's funny every time. And, and it, 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 yeah, that's totally Xavier Oman. I think that's one of the things that made him great was, was that chip on his shoulder. And I, I think football's one of those sports where you know, wide, wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, they have to think they're the baddest guy on the planet or you can't do your job right. And uh, Xavier followed it up. He, he thought he was the baddest man, and he, he was. And I will go to my grave saying that he should have taken home a Harlan Hill his senior year. He was by far the best running back in the country. He was the best player on the best team. And uh, it's, it's a crime that Xavier Oman is not uh, looking at a Harlan Hill on his mantle right now. Yeah, criminal. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, absolutely. I think we – and it was – you know, and I understand, okay, you know, they had where the – you know, it was regional and whatever, so you we wouldn't maybe necessarily get the three best – three best players, but you know, something was broken. If that guy didn't have a Harlan Hill, you know what I mean? Yeah. And especially uh, when the Danny Woodhead, I believe is the one that took it home that year as well. And when you looked at what Xavier did against his team and what he was not able to do against our team, uh, I think that screamed volumes of who should have taken home though. I mean, obviously it's a season long award and uh, all that, but I, I, yeah, I'll go to my grave uh, saying that Xavier Oman was, uh, was robbed that year. Yep. I'm with you, buddy. (laughs) I'm with you there. And, so, and let's, let's not forget that right after him, we had LaRon Council. I mean, we were pretty spoiled in that regard, too. We had two all-time great running backs back-to-back at Northwest. I mean, because LaRon, I mean, yeah, he gets a little overshadowed, I think, by Xavier in, in all the all-time talks. But LC was a fantastic running back. Oh, yeah. He was unbelievable. And I remember the – oh, it was a semifinal against Cal from Pennsylvania. Uh, and yeah, I – so what was he asked? Oh, nine, I guess. And uh, he just, right. he just, yeah, just ran all over them. And he, the first half he had against Grand Valley in that title game was, uh, you know, something like 10 yards of carry. I mean, he was just running over. He, he was, and you're right. Like people overlook him because he was right after Xavier, but he's, he's one of the greatest Northwest running backs ever. Gotta have him there. Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he's right up there. And probably the, you know, the four or probably him and, uh, Getting back, you know, obviously, uh, Jesse Haynes, Xavier Oman, LC, and then uh, Ed Tilson, who's before my time. <laughs> so I can't even speak to him. He's one of those guys that the old-timers talk about. But, I mean, those are probably the four greatest running backs ever. And you think about, you know, three of them have happened in, you know, the, the span of like 15 years there. Yeah. Yeah, that's – it's just amazing, amazing to think about. And I kind of want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk – you know, there's not a ton of, but we can talk about this season. Media day hasn't happened. There's so many, so many, um, you know, kind of uncertain things that are uncertain that, that we just don't know about this team. The coaching staff looks a little bit different, but, but first kind of, you know, going back, I, I was kind of looking back through in that, uh, um, you know, it's been two years <laughs> since we've had, yeah. had Bearcat football, but, but just the, I don't know, you know, so, so many challenges and things. It's it's so different. It's it's kind of uncertain, you know. With with uh, Division One, you know, they they did give players an extra year of eligibility, and this is something that I plan on covering in a in a future podcast. But um, in D two, the teams actually have to foot the bill themselves. So if you if you've got extra players and are and are given extra scholarships, you've got to figure out a way to fund it, which isn't something they the D one has to worry about. And so that's just kind of uncertain. I'm I'm assuming. Some guys will be back. Some won't, you know, that, that would have been seniors last year. It's, it's, it's very interesting. And I, I know, you know, we're still a, uh, you know, a couple of months out from the first, uh, first game of the season, but it's so strange to, to have things so uncertain right before, uh, before this is when we're supposed to be really excited about the season. Yeah. And you use the right word uncertain. And um, I mean, I understand we, there were supposed to be some scrimmages or something, I believe last spring, and it just kind of fell through at different times for whatever reason. Um, 
So Northwest didn't get to do anything where some schools did. Missouri Western, I believe, played two or three games. Pitt State played a couple games. I think that's huge for those guys that they got to, to play some games last year and come together and really get those extra practices is really more important because those just kind of didn't count. They just kind of happened in, in, in the ethos, so to speak. Uh, I think those guys got a huge advantage of, of kind of knowing their team a little bit more and who's back and all that. I know, uh, like you said, the coaching staff looks a little bit different with a, a new OC. Uh, I'm very interested to see. I don't know a lot about the guy. Uh, I think the offense is going to look different uh, than what we're used to, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's, it's always good to kind of refresh things a little bit. So I'm interested to, to learn and see. And kind of like you said, uh, I, I honestly – I was busy when the, the spring game happened, so I didn't get a chance to get up there and see that. And I haven't really studied the roster uh, a whole lot. Um I do know a lot of the kids uh, from the area that have gone up there. And so obviously being doing high school games, I kind of know some of those kids and uh, some of those kids that are still around. Uh, but yeah, there's uncertain is the right word. There's just so much that we don't know about this team and what they're going to look like when they line up against other people. I know the handful of people I know that did see some of the spring stuff were impressed. They liked what they saw, but again, that's against us. Who knows? Uh, I mean, generally speaking, that's pretty good competition. Um, but we'll see what it is when the live bullets start flying, so to speak. And, uh, you know, September can't get here fast enough because I am super excited. Like, it's been two years. I mean, it's been so long. You mentioned that Ferris game earlier. That's the last game we played. I was like, oh, my God, that's been so long ago. And uh, that that's still kind of a bitter feeling that uh, now that it, it's been you – know, that scab's been ripped off. But uh, I, don't, I don't like that that was our last game. So hopefully – I mean, because it felt like at the end there that we could see some growth in the kids that were around, and it felt like, hey – Next year was going to be a good year, being 2020. Um, I, I'm interested. Those kids are now two years older than last time they were on. The coaches have had two years to kind of coach them up and uh, and work on things. And now, obviously, a new OC coming in uh, last year, so one year with him. But uh, that's a lot of classroom time. So they should be coming out and ready to roll. Uh, there shouldn't be a lot of growth, uh, learning curve growth, uh, so to speak. So hopefully they can hit the ground running and uh, – uh, and I am interested to see, like I said, I haven't studied the roster. I am interested to see uh, who's had to go on because, again, D2 kids don't have all the advantages maybe a D1 kid has uh, of being able to stay around that extra year. Uh, maybe they didn't have a full ride, so they got to pay for student loans or, you know, go get that job that they've got lined up, uh, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that does affect the conference. Um, and I'm interested to see how those teams, like I mentioned, they got to play a couple games last spring or whenever it was, uh, how that affects them moving into uh, 2021. Yeah, well, anytime you get to hit somebody else in in a different jersey, you know, when it's not your own guys, I think that's that's a, that's beneficial. And so it was kind of disappointing that that COVID, and, and I think that's what it was, COVID cases that took away what we were supposed to play, uh, maybe Washburn and Central or or something like that. So that's that's disappointing. The interesting thing you mentioned the new offensive coordinator. So so Charlie Floyd left before last season, and then Joel Osborne went to Benedictine now, and so. Both, you know, are kind of our co-offensive coordinators. We lost those guys. I think Joel was kind of in charge of recruiting. So, so that's, um, you know, that's interesting. But, but Todd Sturdy, he's the new offensive coordinator. I did a little research. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't know a lot about him, but he's been a head coach. And he was actually, when Coach Wright was a uh, defensive coordinator before he came to Northwest, Sturdy was the head coach of that team. And, uh, and he, he was at uh, – uh, Mid-American Nazarene, I think, in the last two years before he came here last year. And so he, he's got a ton of head coaching experience and a lot of experience. So I'm really excited. Like, I'm excited to see what the offense looks like and, and you know, what we're going to do. And we have, you know, we have some some senior leadership back. It, it'll be interesting. You know, media day is going to, you know, uh, show us we're going to learn a lot. And and I'll, you know, be covering that as, as we get a little bit closer. But um, I don't know, you know, as we're looking at the season, I think, you know, if – if you know you got the got the paw on the end on your helmet, what it's playoffs or bust. I mean, that's kind of what we expect every year, isn't it? I mean, I, I, that's what I think, right? You you contend or or win a conference title and and make it to the playoffs. I mean, that's that's my expectations. No, oh, absolutely, it's it's always playoffs or bust, especially with what seven teams making it out of the region. Uh, and of course, I think if you're top two or three in the MIAA, you are going to be one of the top seven in the region, so you should be in the playoffs anyway. Uh, but I don't think that's out of line. I think uh, as good as this program has been for as long as they've been, uh, you we should expect the playoffs. And I honestly, uh, I know it's kind of spoiled, but we should make a 
quote-unquote run, uh, be that two games, three games, whatever. I'm not saying national championships every year, but we should expect to win a game in the playoffs. We're that kind of program uh, that we should expect that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, the MIAA is uh, one of the premier leagues in the conference, at least we think so. Uh, it seems to play out that way in the playoffs when we actually get to play out-of-conference games, and I'd love to see some some out-of-conference games uh, somewhere down the road in the future if they can figure out how to do it. But that's not the world we live in right now. The silo scheduling says we play everybody in the league. Uh, that's good, too, because we also do get to play everybody in the league, the Fort Hayes, the Pitt States, uh, Washburn when they're tough, which is, you know every few years seems like they're really, really good, uh, and your Warrensburgs, et cetera. I mean, yes, you know, no offense to Southern or some of those guys. Yeah, you got to play them, too. But you do get to play some really, really good uh, programs. UNK is really on the up and coming. UCO seems like they're on the up. Uh, so this is one of the tougher conferences. I think you are tested most every week. Yes, there's a couple games in there you can kind of, you know, as fans, you kind of say you can look past. Obviously, the players can't. Uh, but uh, we should expect to be in the top two or three in the conference, and we should expect to be in the playoffs, even with all the unknowns. I think that's uh, the base level expectation for the program. Well, and just kind of looking at the schedule again, you know, with with so many unknowns, you know, you're kind of taking a 30,000 foot or I'm taking a 30,000 foot view of everything. But just the thing that sticks out to me is we've got a lot of tough games on the road where we start the season out at Hayes. We've got to go to Warrensburg where we're playing Western. I mean, yeah, sometimes that's a, um, you know, that's a extended home game. But I mean, it's tough. We do get pit at home. We got to go to Washburn. Um, and so. You know, just kind of looking at that, think, mm, you know, especially starting out at Hayes on a Thursday night. Um, I don't think my schedule is going to allow me to to make it to that one. But that boy, that one's kind of one. That's one of the one I look at the schedule and kind of circle at that game. And like, we're going to know a lot about this team after that game. I think uh, the uh, the the emergence of as for, of Fort Hayes as a power in this conference has been great because I think we needed uh, another power team to really make this uh, stay as a top conference and and yeah man on the road on a Thursday night at Hayes that is a huge way to open that game and yeah I don't think my schedule is probably going to allow me to make that road trip either so uh, the MIAA network it'll be for me. And uh, we'll uh, turn down the audio and turn up John and the gang and John and Matt and listen to the Bearcat Radio Network. Uh, but then, yeah, two weeks later, we're at Central. I mean, that's, uh, you know, Coach Boda's always got those guys playing. And then even then you get Central Oklahoma at home, which we just talked about. That's a team that's uh, every year seems like they're right there on the cusp of becoming one of the upper echelon kind of programs. And that ahead of Western and Pitt and then Washburn looming. I mean, that is a really tough way to start. Uh, hopefully, if you get through that, though, uh, kind of the back half of the schedule, you kind of feel like maybe uh, that's when you can get some of those younger kids in, hopefully be well-rested going into that playoff run. But, again, obviously that's looking way down the road. you got four, five, six games right there out of the gates that are going to be really, really tough. Uh, hopefully you can get through that unscathed. And if that's the case, then you're talking one seed and everybody coming to Maryville for playoff time, and that would be huge for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, you, you talk about UCO. You know what? We lost to them in 2018. Yeah. Carney, they're the last conference MIAA team to beat us in, in, yeah. in 2019. And so, yeah, that, you know, there's, you know, even you uh, teams that maybe in the past you kind of looked at that. And again, it's part of us being spoiled, right? And you think, oh, that's a win. You know, I mean, it's, it's tough. And again, with so much uncertainty from, from last season. And, and I don't know, man, I am just starved <laughs> for Bearcat football. Well, and neither of us even mentioned Emporia at the end of the season. Uh, I don't look, I mean, I, it's hard to tell if that Hornets team from a few years ago that was so good is just kind of a flash in the pan or if that program really is on the up and up. Seemed like we handled them pretty well in 2019 uh, when I was down there for that game. Uh, but that's your that's your final game of the year. Uh, if that program's going well, and I think that coaching staff's pretty good, uh, if they've got their team humming, that could be a huge game at the end of the year too uh, to kind of put a cherry on top of everything. No, that's yeah, that's a good point. That's true. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know, like, you know, said just kind of being starved for football. That's kind of where the idea of this, of this podcast was born of, of man, you know, we had to go a whole season with no Bearcat football. And uh, I don't know, you know, I just, I just wanted to do something to, you know, man, just to entertain myself, <laughs> if nothing else, you, you were a part of this. There's a ton of people to thank and I couldn't possibly thank everybody, but I appreciate you. You helped me kind of brainstorm and, and agreed to come on with me as my first guest. And, and man, you know, we've been, we've been friends a long time and, and, uh, but I, you know, I respect you. I respect your opinion, your ability and, and, uh, you know, you might not say this, but I look at you as the voice of as high school sports in Northwest Missouri. You are to me. And, uh, 
you know, and on uh, 100.1 in, in Cameron, you know, tune in and, and check out Chris. He's got coaches shows. Um, he'll be doing, you know, as we get closer to the season, all the coaches shows and the, and the season previews and things. And he does such a great job. They do such a great job with high school sports. You know, any, anything else you want you want to mention about plans and, and things you guys have? I'll give an opportunity for you to, to plug yourself a little bit if you want. Man, you embarrassed me. Uh, that's really kind of you to say. Um, I just, I'm a guy with a, a really cool job. <laughs> and it's, uh, I couldn't do what I do without all the coaches and the, and the players and families and all that around the area. They make it pretty easy. So, uh, again, I appreciate the, the kind words. Uh, yeah, we'll kick it all off. Uh, every week, high school football is uh, obviously huge on our stations. Uh, I think week one, I think we've already decided we're going to do Midbuck and Princeton. And, uh, of course, before uh, the games, we always have our, our new additions, our uh, pregame show that starts at, like, 5 o'clock. And uh, we do uh, interviews with different media members from around the area. And uh, we're going to do a, a new and improved pick em contest where the uh, listeners can kind of join in and, and play against Meisner and me uh, as the season goes along and win some prizes and stuff. And, obviously, uh, Friday night football on all our stations, uh, both in Cameron and Bethany. And then, of course, the uh, end zone show afterwards with Eric Meisner with all your scores and coach interviews and stuff. And, oh, uh, man, it's a – it's not all that far away. We're less than two months away from getting this started. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Just kind of recharging the batteries right now and uh, slowly working on like composite schedules and coach uh, email lists and all that kind of stuff. So it's getting here and uh, the dark times are almost over. <laughs> right. Well, man, I, I think we're going to leave it there again. I, I, uh, I truly do appreciate it i've said it off air i'll say it on here you know I, I appreciate you all your help and coming on and and being my first guest and and man i just look forward to being up in maryville and tailgating with you and taking in some bearcat football man ditto i, I can't wait uh, i'm honored that you that you picked me as a uh... The first guest, and obviously I value your friendship over these years, buddy. Uh, I think you're going to do a great job with this podcast. And anytime you uh, you need me, just let me know. And uh, likewise, I look forward to, uh, to firing up the grill and uh, sucking down a couple frosty beverages with you before ball game. Amen, brother. Now appreciate it, and and appreciate you listening. You know, and that's that's going to do it. That's the, the the very first episode of Bleeding Green Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. Thanks so very much for listening, and uh, go Bearcats. Hey!